this guest that I have on, she goes by the name of the Shadow Queen. And yes, the nocturnal therapist and the Shadow Queen will be talking to y'all today about shadows and her stuff and whatever the hell we feel like talking about. But just know that it's going to be good. So you want to stay tuned. Yes, I have the Shadow Queen on this mug. Mm. Welcome to the stage. Welcome to the stage. <laughs> Thank you for having me. I feel like Mercury retrograde is really just hitting us hard immediately. So the conversation is going to balance it out and we'll we'll get there. Miss Massey is a licensed psychotherapist. She is the creator of the Shadow Seekers movement. She is the number one best-selling author, the CEO of the Wellness Collective. She is self-ish Philly conference founder. She is a, she has a podcast co-host. She's a motivational speaker and she is the leading expert on shadow work. Now I know I was supposed to sell that before she jumped on here. I know y'all thinking that already, but here's the thing. I was just excited. I wanted her to be on stage. So whatever, it's going to go the way it need to go. So welcome to the stage in the book. The book is coming out. Let me just bring that out. We're going to say it a few times, but she has a new book coming out. A new book. Yeah, it's not a first rodeo. Okay, new book. All right. Her new book is coming out in September, September 20th, 20 this year. It's Shadow Work, Face Hidden Fears, Heal Trauma, Awaken Your Dream Life. Awaken to your dream life. This is it. Come on. Come on. Oh, oh, you already got it. I got got it. I have my advanced copy. They give the authors with the publishing agents an advanced copy so you can check out the book, make sure there's no errors and just kind of look at it and feel like I did that, which feels good. Yeah. 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 So I, I have a copy. Woohoo. Yeah, really you did do it. I did a book. Yeah. I'm excited. This yeah. is my first full book. The one that I did before was a multi-author book series, which I just wrote one chapter. And then I also have the Shadow Seekers Journal, which is on Amazon. That's the one that got me best-selling author, which is fun. Oh, yeah. Okay, wait. The best-selling author one, which which wouldn't is well, that? I'm sorry. Multi author book too, but that was for my Shadow Seekers Journal, which is this little guy. It's a journal of shadow work prompts to help people who are just starting out on that shadow work journey get into it without feeling the pressure. Because I know that shadow work can feel heavy or overwhelming before you start, before you even do anything. Just the idea of it. So this is just like tiptoeing your way in. Mm-hmm. A little dip, it's, it's, it's putting your toe in the water, putting your toe in the exactly. water. That's what you're doing right there. Yeah. <laughs> Just testing it out. I'm like, do I really want to do this? <laughs> right. <laughs> so, <laughs> I have so many questions for you, but let's begin. I'm a student. The teacher is always a student, but I'm definitely, I want to sit back and be the student. Enjoy being a student today. So, help my crowd for those who just tuned in, help them understand. What are shadows and why, why, why have you become the shadow queen? Like, how did that journey happen? Yeah, I feel like this is the question that I get asked the most, like, what even is a shadow? So the way that I find that it's easiest to get into it is through our history. So in 1863, Carl Jung, who is a renowned psychiatrist, and he was friends with Freud. Obviously, we need to take that with a grain of salt, because the two of them had a lot of great ideas and a lot of awful ideas. But the one really good one from Carl Jung was the unconscious mind and the shadow, which Freud also agreed with. The unconscious mind is the level of our consciousness that is so far down, so buried and so repressed within our psyche that it's very hard to access, which is where shadow work comes in. The process of going in and excavating that shadow 
in an attempt to heal it completely. So that as we bring these things up to the surface, they're no longer weighing us down energetically, emotionally, physically, or mentally. My journey to get to shadow work came after a cancer diagnosis back in 2018. It was something that came out of nowhere. It was really befuddling to my doctors. Everyone was shocked. No signs, no symptoms, no warning leading up to that point. And after I went through my cancer journey, I fell into a really deep depression. And at the time, I was a licensed therapist. I'd been in private practice for over a decade. I had all the tools and all the resources to get myself out of it, and yet I couldn't. And that was when I started doing shadow work. I found a mentor in the UK who was also a licensed psychotherapist. Her name was Allison Kelsey, and she was just an angel on this earth. And she taught me everything about how to get through the darkest moments of my life, how to heal myself, how to release all the stress that I'd been holding in my body for so many years. And then eventually she taught me how to do that work with other people. So I took everything she brought. I went back to my own psychology background and my neuroscience background because I studied neuroscience in school. And I just really wanted to focus on that merger between the science and the spirituality to attack this, to attack the shadow from a really deep level. And that's how I got here. And I love that I ended that right as you went for a sip. I'm so sorry. (laughs) No, you're totally, totally, totally cool. Totally cool. Yeah. Yeah. I calmed myself down. I almost, yeah. Anyway, yeah, that's, you're quite, quite accomplished there. And the journey is, the journey is real. So you faced your own shadows. So let's just flow. Let's just flow with it. You said young, the relationship between young and Freud, take it with a grain of salt. Why you say that? So much of what happened back in the 1800s in psychiatry was really just throwing pasta at a wall and seeing what would stick. So they would just come up with ideas. And if it had any merit, they're like, great, that one's actually working out. But so many of the ideas were really harmful and across the board, just kind of neglectful in the way that they approached the mind. But because at the time they were these big, powerful figures, people respected everything they did. They were allowed to do that. They got away with it. So I think it's really important to make that distinction because I think now, especially in today's day and age, there's a lot of spiritual gurus out there. There's a lot of people, Teal Swan comes to mind different people who have these really big followings, but they don't necessarily understand what they're doing. And it's apparent that they don't really know what they're doing, but you can tell that it's not always coming from a really genuine place. So for instance, when we started this conversation and you said, I'm the student, I feel like that's so important because we're all students, right? I didn't give myself the name shadow queen. Someone else gave it to me. It still is one of those things that kind of makes me laugh to this day, but I've rolled with it. I think all of us are students. We're all constantly learning. And every day, the things that we know are going to change. Like the facts that we know are not really facts because we're always uncovering new information. And as we grow and as we expand, probably even just a few months from now, this conversation that we're having might be a little bit outdated because new information has come to light. Science has found new things, which is beautiful and amazing, right? Yes, yes. Yes, look, my people, yeah, yeah, we'll just pause for a second right there. I had to take my glasses off and just let that saturate for a second. Yes, it can, there's a lot of, and, and this, is, this is not meant to be a judgment, even though it most certainly is a judgment term, but I'm not landing on any specific person, but I do believe that there's a lot of 
charlatans out there who are intentional just going towards whatever they think is popular and trying to use that to make a quick dollar at the end of the day. That's what it is at the end of the day. Why else would you do something that you don't really believe in unless money was involved? Mm -hmm. That's it. Cash rules everything around me. Y'all know it. Cream. Dollar, dollar bill, y'all. Y'all know what it is. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I, I appreciate you saying that. So how do you, for the for my listeners, how do you know when you're plugging into someone who is actually on that frequency, on that journey? I think it's a lot of it is the feeling, like the energy. Does this person feel good to be around? But if you pay attention, I know you're a therapist as well as I am. We're trained to look for those little tells, those little changes in the way that someone's behavior shifts or the words that they say. So the people who say things like, I want everyone to listen to me, or I like, you know what I'm talking about, or even just, this is such a small thing. And hopefully people can see this too and not just listen on the podcast, but people who have narcissistic traits tend to make themselves really broad and wide and take up a lot of space. And you'll see that with the people who are kind of parading around a little bit of spiritual gurus where they'll say things and they puff up like a peacock. And that is actually a narcissistic trait. That's a tendency that people with narcissism have to just make themselves feel big and then trick other people into thinking that they are big, that they have things to say that are important. Some of the best people that I've worked with, some of the ones who I just I'm so thankful that I crossed paths with them on my journey are the ones who are not doing it for the acclaim, who don't really want spotlight. They just love what they do. And they just are so happy to be able to do it every single day. And they feel blessed to be able to walk that path. And that's where I want to be. That's the energy that I want to sit in. And those are the people that I want to be around. Mm -hmm. All right. So let it flow. Would you, and being a therapist as well, a psychotherapist, would you say, or do you believe that that we all carry narcissistic traits? Oh, absolutely. I think to be human is to have a certain level of narcissism because we're thinking all the time our own thoughts and we're seeing the world in specific ways. And it really is just our point of view. I do think that certain places breed more narcissism than other ones, like living in America. I think breeds a lot more narcissism than say living in really collectivistic cultures. <laughs> so I think there's factors that play into it, but yeah, to some degree we all have it. So it's just a matter of how do you feed it or not? How do you feed it or extinguish it? Uh -huh. Yes. And I'll just say my take on this. I am so against labels. I can't stand labels. And for us, when you say narcissist, you know exactly what you're talking about. But when I say narcissist, I know exactly what I'm talking about. 98% of the people that's using the word right now don't know what they're talking about. And so when, when as, as people are getting more informed about mental health and whatnot, these words get out there and they get a little grasp of it and assume that now they're an expert on it. And this, is, this causes a population that's already one of the least likely to ever go and get treatment to really never, ever go get treatment. I mean, it's this, this, this ego, that, that ego is so frail. That's the reason why in the most sickest forms, they can, they can cause so much, so much harm can be done in that space. Because the more lost we are, essentially what I see when I see someone who's lost in the world of narcissism is really a child swinging a sword. Yeah, It's going to be a lot of damage, yeah. But still, I see a hurt child. And then when you look at the histories, you already know that the histories align with severe child abuse. Mm -hmm. So now you have 
someone who's locked in those earlier stages of development trying to defend themselves, but they're 40, 50, 60 years old. But everyone else sees 40, 50, 60 years old. You got to see the layers of individual. Yeah, and then sure. that's that's when that compassion comes in. When you begin to understand my, I say all that to say, my people, y'all follow me. If you're gonna be an outlier, not if you're gonna be an outlier, you, you you decide what you want to do. You can be an outlier within being an outlier tribe. But my stance on that is that understand that labels we're not a label. You know that in any label that we're talking about, any word we use now, it's it's all energy and energy it, it exists on a spectrum. And no, none of us, all of us are made up of the same cosmic material. And so in that space, we have different variations of that same cosmic material. So we present different ways in this physical man, this physical uh, reality. But at the same time, we're, we're still that same. We're all the same. And knowing that we're different levels of different things. And we know we come here tabula rasa, <clears throat> which means empty slate. And we've come here to discover a deeper truth about who we are. And that's really the journey. That's why we're seared with that one question, who am I, in the back of our minds. And so we just search for that. It just wakes us up. It just bothers us so much that we just can't get that one question out there because that's by default. That's by default to make sure that we always remember why we're here. And that's to find our truth and then to live in that truth. And the more truth that you discover, these are, there are, there's, there's individual truths and there's more truth for us to discover. We don't ever, we won't ever know all truth until we are no longer here. So the game is to continue to chase after your truth. So I say all that again to say that while you're on your journey, know that your path, some people come here to do this and some people come here to do that. But make sure that you just focus on whatever it is that you come here to do. You can't even judge the other person's journey because maybe they've come here to suffer. Maybe that's part of their path, suffering. And to show us, thank you for your gratitude for your sacrifice, because I don't have to go through that. I see what you're going through. I see the suffering that you're going through. I see how you're alienated. I see what you do to try to puff yourself up. And and thank you for that example, because I know I don't need to go down that route. Thank you for that beautiful explanation. I can even find myself sometimes going right into those labels because I think it's so much easier for people to conceptualize. But it is important for us to remember that even things that were considered abnormal 60 years ago, 100 years ago, they don't even exist in the DSM anymore. They're not in that diagnostic statistical manual. So everything that we come through, everything we experience, it all shapes us differently. And over time, things that we view as abnormal now won't be abnormal anymore. There'll be something new that we'll try to throw into a box and slap a label on and try and demonize people for acting certain ways. And, yeah, I'm no psychic here. <laughs> look, I, I'm look. We, I'm not even looking at the time. I don't even care about the time. Like if this, if this podcast got longer than all my other podcasts, so be it. I, I'm going to have a good time today. Yeah. But I, I believe. My little nocturnal mind believes that the next one up after narcissism is histrionic disorder. Mm. Reason being is because while the wave, the whole Salem witch trials against narcissists is happening, yeah. histrionic, that's perfect. That is the perfect setting for someone who's histrionic to move on in. Mm. Or some of the more harmful symptoms of, of also borderline personality disorder as well mm -hmm. seeping on in. And so now this, this blows up and then eventually enough harm is done where now all of society is like, watch out for the histrionic, watch out for the border. <laughs> and it's like, when will we stop throwing rocks at each other? That's my thing. Mm -hmm. I know? think we're already starting to see a little bit of that with the Amber Heard and Johnny Depp trial. And just a full disclaimer, I'm not watching that trial. I don't care. I have no interest in the circus. But just being a person in like today's day and age, it gets thrown at you from every angle. Like I turn my computer on, I open up just a random web page and it's like 
I put a J down in the Google search and it pops right up. Or if I open my TikTok app, first thing that comes up, it's like they're throwing it at us. But I think this is a big topic and I would love to hear your thoughts on this. But in my opinion, and this is like my weird conspiracy theory, let's get down the rabbit hole thoughts. I think a lot of the way that this happens, where it's let's label people, let's get everybody focused on all the drama and the circus. It's like almost a way to keep us all blind. Like instead of focusing on that sole purpose, like what actually makes me happy? What actually makes me feel good on a regular basis. I'm not worried about that. I'm too focused on all the drama, all the stuff that's happening, the lights and the the bangs happening in every direction. And so I miss it. And I find that so often with people that I encounter that they so rarely just go outside and take a big breath of fresh air and take a moment to notice how beautiful things are, no matter where they are in the world, or take a moment to meditate and just be with yourself in that present moment with no agenda whatsoever. The focus more often tends to be on distraction. How can I keep myself entertained? How can I keep the circus moving? And the media is all too ready to give us stuff, right? Yes. How can I remain lost in the matrix? Essentially what it is. <laughs> yeah. Because we already know that if you defeat the enemy within, the enemy without can do you no harm. Now, I've been telling y'all, now my listeners, y'all, y'all, I've been giving y'all the code the whole time. So when it's finally click, the things that I repeat over and over and over, just know that all I'm doing is passing it forward. Nobody has a monopoly on knowledge, but understand that when you defeat the enemy within, when you understand that it's the internal world, even the science, if you look at the science, science shows you that in psychotherapy, as well as mindfulness, that if you regulate your, your autonomic nervous system, then it doesn't really matter what the external world was going on in the external world, because that's not really real. That's not really the real world. This is what we play games at. This is just a construct and the mind doesn't convey reality. It constructs it. It, convey, it doesn't convey it in that it doesn't depict it accurately. It constructs it based off of information it already knows. The problem is, is that there are known knowns, known unknowns, and unknown unknowns. And I'm going to stop right there. But sister, what do you think? Come on, talk to me. I think it's so true. And one of the things that happens very often for me when I do shadow work with people one-to-one is we go to the space in between past lives and this current life. And when we go to that space, it's very much a space of no judgment. Emotions are there, but they're muted. And it's really just a look at what was I doing and how did I veer for my purpose or how do I embody my purpose and how do I do it better next time? And if we all remember that, that the focus is really to just be fully embodied, to be in the present, to accept the fact that we know nothing, we literally know nothing, and to be okay with that, things would shift. Things would move in a different direction. I think we'd have so much more internal peace and that would be externally reflected. Yes. One of the points that you were making before actually reminds me of a lot of Joe Dispenza's work. Joe Dispenza mm. spends so much time talking about creating coherence within our body, connecting the brain and the heart and having them regulate each other, having that autonomic nervous system so smoothly run. And we can't really get to that place by pressing fast forward. Everybody wants to just get to that finish line. They want to skip the shadow work. They want to go right to the light. And for me, I think the beautiful part of being a human and being a part of this human experience is the journey. It's the hardships. It's the moments that really are horrific and grounding in a lot of ways because they let us feel the full range of human emotion, which I believe we are here to feel every piece of it. If we weren't, we wouldn't have the ability to have those emotions. And so actually sitting with rage, with fear, with sadness, with excitement and joy 
letting ourselves go to those places so fully and not forcing ourselves through them. Even things like grief, when we lose people or lose things, it's so easy for us to just push it away, to bury it, to pretend like it's not real. And I think we need to shift our focus more into just sitting with it and going deeper and asking ourselves, no, what is it that I need to feel right now? Why is it that this is being elicited? What does this remind me of from my childhood? There's always can, more there. Can I, can I say yeah. something real quick? See, the synergy is here. I, I'm feeling real inspired to talk right now. The grief, again, the chain is only as strong as its weakest link. Understand that that energy of fear is contagious. And in my faith, there's a comp- there comes a point where, where Jesus says, how dare you talk about the splinter in your brother's eye or your neighbor's eye when you have a plank in yours? And for me, grief, if you understand grief, <clears throat> grief can manifest in different ways. If you're influent, I notice that grief manifests a certain way. Typically, if you're middle class, it manifests a certain way. Even if you're lower, lower class, close to middle class, it manifests a certain way, specific way. When you already have everything it feels like everything is going against you and you have so much trauma and you're surrounded by so much hell, grief in a state of fight or flight. When we get lost in the matrix, the more we get lost in the matrix, the more we give into the illusion. The more we fall into the illusion, the more we fall into the belief that we truly are separate and we see ourselves as such and experience ourselves fully through the ego. In that space of lostness, one can project one's grief onto the other. And so in that space, you are the reason for my grief. And if you're the reason for my grief, the only way to deal with my grief is to deal with you. Ergo murder rates. It has nothing to do with what a person looks like. It has everything to do with condition. It doesn't matter whether it was, and I'm going there, it doesn't matter whether it was black in the hood, whether it was Irish in the hood, whether it was Italian in the hood, anybody in the hood going to behave like they're from the hood because we're all the same. So stop judging one another. You can sit there and look at the, the bloods and the crypts and talk about, oh my God, the murders and this and this. What, what do we think Democrats and Republicans are? I'm not going, po- I'm not going political. They literally wear the same colors. Mm-hmm. If you're seeking a life coach, nocturnal therapist is the name and mental alchemy is the game. If you want to understand how to transmute, transform and transcend these challenges and these challenging emotions, find me at the School of Outliers at becomingoutlier.com slash links. Again, that's becomingoutlier dot com slash links. Stay lit and agape. Yep. Anytime we have to pick teams, anytime we have to pick sides, anytime we're separating from each other, that's obviously bullshit. We should Thank never you. be doing that. We're all people. We're all human. We're all here having a human experience. We're basically just stardust that's packed into a really concrete space. Did so you say stardust? Stardust. Technically we are. All of our neurons, yeah, all of our neurons, our electrons, everything about who we are is broken down into stardust. That's what we are at our core. We're just sprinkling it out. We're like Tinkerbell. (laughs) We are basically just stardust formed into space. And if we get even more scientific about it, we're not even actually matter. Like we feel ourselves physically, but really all we're feeling is energy. All we are, each atom at its core is space, it's gas. So we're just like lumps of air floating around here. Why are we separating ourselves? And I think that answer comes back to my really conspiratory thought process of everything is this illusion. We're made to feel certain ways to keep us stuck, to keep us in the same mentality, to stop us from growing. But why? What's the point? What's the end game? What does anybody get out of 
halting people from being able to explore who they are and from feeling good in their body, in their life. Mm-hmm. In this space, lost in isness, you get to acquire more goods, more resources that you'll never use. More than you'll ever have to more more than you'll ever use, more than your grandchildren will ever use, more than your great grandchildren will ever use. Mm-hmm. And and For what? Under, again, exactly. For exactly. What? For what what is the gain? What is the gain? What have you actually gained there? Yeah, sure, you can do everything, but there's a reason why the suicide rates have been highest among affluent white males. Mm-hmm. I'm not proposing any reasons. I'm just saying that there's a reason for that. But if you compare money to happiness, and if you are an affluent white male in America, you're top of the food chain in the world, period. The end. There's no discussion about it, not even a debate. No, there's no one close, period. So why? Why? What, what, what about life would be so miserable? You would think, because it's not about that. It's about answering that question. What's your truth? And that truth, you'll find that in those shadows. That's why I got the shadow queen on here. Talk to us about some some techniques that we can use to explore the shadows, please, if you don't mind. Of course. So with the shadow, with the unconscious mind, we can all tap into it. Everybody has the ability to go to that space. What we're looking to do to access the unconscious mind is go into what are called theta brainwaves. Now, most of the time, like when you're listening to this podcast or when you're actively moving about life, your brainwave patterns are really dense and short. You're very active. What we want to do is get you to a place where it's really calm and relaxed. Think about like how your brain feels, how your mind feels as you're getting ready to drift off to sleep, as long as you're not somebody whose mind races at that moment. So think about as you're most relaxed when you're drifting off, if you're someone who meditates, how you feel when you meditate. What's happening is that brainwave pattern is spacing out enough that we can actually access the unconscious. It's kind of like a backdoor entry into it. When you're in that position, you have the unique ability to ask yourself questions, to go into those deep spaces. So you can ask yourself about the pain that you've experienced or about the feelings that you're feeling in that current moment. You could use journal prompts and find things on the internet to actually go deeper into this. Or you could work with a professional like my nocturnal therapist here or I. (laughs) And what you would do at that point is be guided into your own shadows and just held while you go into them. The way that I suggest people do this is to practice getting into that meditative state every day for, say, a week or two. doesn't have to be very long. But just let yourself go there and sit and just be in that space. Just be with yourself. Allow your heart rate to slow, your autonomic nervous system to be fully in that rest and digest mode, to let your brain turn off, but to not block out things that come through. People feel with meditation like they're not allowed to think, like you can't have thoughts. Throw that idea out. Let the thoughts come. Those things are coming for a reason. That's the ego presenting itself to you in a protective state to make sure that you don't get into that unconscious. But that's where the yummy stuff is. That's where the goods are. So we want to get there. So let those thoughts come. Let yourself feel them, see them, and then just kind of let them pass by. And as you allow yourself to go there every day for an extended period of time, what might start happening is you start seeing things, almost a dream or like a daydream, if you will. And when you see those things, they could be memories, could be moments from your childhood. It could be moments from even past lives that you've had. And as you let those pour through, just let yourself be with them. Let yourself see these moments happen. It's easier than we think. When you see them, let yourself feel everything, but keep that body really calm, the breath, should stay really even. 
focus on filling your belly with air, really letting that air fill that stomach space. Like your diaphragm is just taking it all in. Make sure the shoulders aren't popping all the way up to your ears. It's terrible for you. (laughs) Allow yourself to remain in that calm space. The autonomic nervous system is funny in this way. When we're in the sympathetic nervous system response, fight or flight, you are having really shallow breathing. Your heart is beating out of your chest. Your tension is sitting in your shoulders, your back, and your brain might start to get foggy. If you can keep your breath really calm and keep yourself really relaxed, you'll be in the parasympathetic nervous system state where you remain calm. And that's where we can start to heal those shadow moments. That's where we can see things that are full of grief, sadness, heaviness, anger, or even things you've just forgotten that your unconscious mind is holding on to for whenever you're ready. You let them come, but you keep yourself still. You keep yourself in that coherent space. And when you do that, you alter how it exists in your brain, your body, and your energy. What you're doing at that point is literally rewiring things called your neural pathways. Your neural pathways are like the highway system in your brain. So you're working to just kind of click things in and out of place to remove old pathways, a process called synaptic pruning, and to put new ones in place, a process called synaptogenesis. And when that happens, it's like a domino effect of goodness. Like your whole body starts to respond. When your brain changes, your emotions change because they're just a chemical reaction and forming your body of how to feel. So your body changes and then your thoughts, which actually come from your gut, not your head, start to change as well. So that was really, that was a big explanation for a very small amount of time. (laughs) I hope I did my best to condense it down. You did that masterfully. I'm so like, I'm just over here just smiling because (laughs) I told, I told them we were made of stardust and I was hoping my people didn't think I was crazy. You came on here. Y'all heard her. She, you look validation i mean i feel real validated right now (laughs) i'm not seeking validation but (laughs) (laughs) i feel like we just get it (laughs) yes yes and then everything you just said i just did a real a couple of weeks ago the story of the story of connection the story of protection versus the story of disconnection where i talked about the dorsal vagal freeze response and then the fight or flight sympathetic then the ventral vagus the story of connection and being in that space we speak in the same language we are reading from the same book yes Yes, ma'am. And if anybody is feeling like they want to learn more about this, there's so much brilliant information out there. There are people like Dr. Stephen Porges who talk about the vagal nerve and its impact on the entire body system. Obviously, there's Dr. Joe Dispenza and his work on creating coherence within the body. Start learning if you haven't done so already. Like this podcast is an amazing start. Keep going. There's so much information out there that's available to you. Let it just soak in. Let yourself keep going for it. And even if we're speaking a different language right now, that doesn't mean that you won't be speaking it too with us in a few months if you start letting yourself go there. Yes, 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 yes. And thank you for bringing them in there because I I don't, it's rare that I mention names, but yes, polyvagal theory, Dr. Stephen Porges, that's really where I learned about the story of a connection, protection, and disconnection from. Fantastic. Oh yeah. Yeah. I even have his chart and everything. Doing another training with him in, I think a month. He's Come just on. fantastic. He's so good. He's so good. <laughs> yeah, he is. He is. I love his. I, well, I hadn't done anything, any trainings with him, but I did the, the, I read the books and whatnot. And of course I'm familiar. It's crazy. It's, it's, so we, we talking now we talking, look, y'all just gonna have to sit back and listen to us talk for a second. It's crazy that a lot of the things that I later got trained in, I was already told was true. 
And, but I felt crazy with that truth that what the one, the main one that really made me feel like that made me feel, but the one I really struggled to accept was the one about internal family systems and that truth. And I, when I used to work in the ER and somebody would come in psychotic and maybe, maybe a schizoaffective disorder or schizophrenia in a manic state. And I would sit with not, not the manic state, but the schizophrenia in particular, I would sit with them much longer than a lot of other people to the point where the, the doctors would wonder why am I sitting with them so long? And I couldn't tell them. I'm trying to understand their language. I'm trying to understand their, their parts. We before I even knew anything about parts work or internal family systems or interview. Huh? It's very Bowenian of you. That was what Murray Bowen did back in the 1900s. His work with schizophrenia and with family systems work that basically the start of marriage and family therapy was him going into the psychiatric hospital and sitting with schizophrenic girls because that was the group that he was with. And he would interact with them. He would sit with them. He would just be with them. And he actually noticed that they were more, I don't want to say normal because I think normal is a relative term. They were more relaxed. They were more calm. They were able to speak fluently and they wouldn't go off on weird cyclical tangents. But when their parents came in the room, in particular their mothers, they would go into a full-blown schizophrenic state. When we're around other people, we shift. Our energy shifts, the way that we connect to each other shifts. And those relationships are so karmic. So internal family systems is amazing because it really goes into the nitty gritty of that. But it also sucks too. Like we were talking earlier about those people who truly have narcissism. But we have to remember that that is a child that was very hurt. That is someone who spent probably the first 15 years of their life getting kicked literally, physically, mentally, emotionally beat down to a point where their body just kind of protected itself and created this bubble, this shell, so that it couldn't get hurt anymore. And Mm -hmm. it's so sad to think about. And at the same time, there's shadow there that we can get to if we're willing to sit and do the work. And I think it's scary for therapists or for healers just across the board to sit in that dark space and to be like, it's okay. I'll sit in the dark with you. Yes. Oh, okay. I'm so happy. I'm so happy. <laughs> <laughs> I know. And so I just, so everybody listening knows I do so many spiritual podcasts. I don't get to talk the science or the family system stuff or the, like any of the, the good, this is the yummy stuff. This is where the fun is. Yes. Oh my goodness. I'm so happy. Now, I really wanted to just, just sit back and just listen to you talk. So please bring it in. <laughs> this need for us as human beings, we feel so much shame when we do things that we feel like are a misstep or a hiccup. We waste so much time doing that. And I really don't feel like anything's a waste of time, but there is an element of that, that it's if we can really just sit and be kinder to ourselves in those moments and be like, it's okay. You fell, you took a misstep, you tumbled. It was embarrassing or it was something that you really wish you didn't do. That's okay. Just keep moving through it. Let yourself feel it and then let yourself go. I don't think we as a society, as a people do enough of that. We're taught to just put those moments behind us to repress, to bury. And really that's what Carl Jung had said in the first place is where shadow comes from. It's this innate need, this socialized need, because it's not something that we have when we're young to bury, to push things down, to have them hide somewhere so deep within our psyche that it is actually making us sick because we're trying to hold it down so tight. Mm. We need to find a way to let those things out and then to prevent it in the future by having these moments and knowing that it's okay. 
I know with shadow work for me, I'm always doing shadow work. It's constant. It's not a process that ever ends because if you think about it, think about how many years you've had on this earth, every moment has some layer of ick to it or every day has something that you're like, man, I wish I didn't do that. And that all accumulates and it builds up. So the shadow work is constant. But when you get into that flow state where it's so normal to just sit with those moments instead of pushing them away, you make the road forward a lot clearer. You make it easier to move through things and you just make your life across the board a lot easier. It feels good. If you want to know what it feels like, well, at least the, the, the variation in pain when you stare at it with intentionality, it's when you're a child and you're trying to run from a needle. You realize that the bulk of the pain, when you look at the science, the bulk of the pain that you're experiencing is all made up. It's it's the anticipation of, of that needle. That anticipation, but the build up, your body's reaction to it before it even happens. Exactly. And that's mm-hmm. that's that's dictating your story, right? How you experience. And so if when we as an adult, we know that we need to get those needles. Now I don't like needles. I don't like needles at all, even though I have tattoos. But <laughs> I, I, it doesn't feel the same. It didn't, it never hurt like the way it did when I was a child, when I used to run from needles, because I know that that pain has a purpose, you see. And so really that's what's so amazing about the human mind is that all it requires for you to do is to take on a different perspective or an integrate a different perspective or move to a different vantage point. You should move to a different vantage point regardless, just so you can see the different vantage points, but you move to a different vantage point and then you, you're like, aha, okay, now this fits. Now I know how to operate in this space. Yeah. You know, it's how powerful our minds are just to piggyback off this exact idea. Brought me back to my own childhood. Something my mom did when I was really young that I totally commend her for is she would convince me before I would go to the doctor that I liked shots. She would talk about how brave I was last time on a superhero. It's amazing that it doesn't even bother me. Can you believe it? And I would go in and get a shot and I'm like, doc, can you believe it? It doesn't even bother me because I convinced myself what she said was true. And when I would have the shot, I would feel nothing. I would feel at most discomfort, but it never felt like pain. I feel it more now as an adult after having gone through cancer, because my body very actively remembers the months of hell that I went through, the surgeries and the constantly getting poked and prodded and tested and biopsied. And it was just nonstop. I have more trauma now than I did as a kid, because now my brain feels anticipation. My body's waiting for it because it did for so long. Our brains are very powerful and they can change the way that we see, feel, and experience the world around us, which is why shadow work is so cool because we can get into that space and manipulate things in a proactive and healthy and very intentional way so we can move forward. Yes. Thank you so much. And, and, and understanding that when you don't face the shadows, I guess to put practically that which you resist persists. That's right. It grows emotion, energy in motion. It, it, it remains emotion, but it remains emotion inside of you and it manifests in ways that are not enriching to life. And so these collisions that we have, I wanted to say this earlier, these collisions that we have, we're having them for a reason. Observe and choose not to evaluate. And, and again, that's that's where I get into the whole spill of labels. I don't even like the words. I don't believe in toxic people because I can't. It, for me, it's another form of otherizing. I do believe that People can, can a parasite can take on a host and do so much damage that eventually it overcomes the host. I do believe that. But to say that the other has a parasite is only to acknowledge that I also have it. It's just to a different degree. And so when you look at the, for example, the narcissist, when you look at the triangle of, of codependency, 
you understand that in that cycle, the typical narcissist runs into the victim and persecuted shadows. They fluctuate back and forth between those two. But guess what? Who's attracted to those two shadows? The rescuer shadow. Yes. Very often, borderline personality disorder person, if we get into those labels, where they also have had so much trauma and so much sadness, and they feel that need to come in and save the day, probably like they did with mom and dad when they were young, or with a sibling who was sick, someone who needed them. And that's where they show up. They're ready to be that person. And then we have these weird trauma bonds, this sadness that exists of two very hurt children who can't find their way out or who are having difficulty navigating their way through. Yes. And I even with trauma bonds, I know the literature, if you type into trauma bonds, it ain't nothing but, but you know, it's going to be some scary stories. Yes. But I truly believe that, again, it's varying degrees here. But when aware, when aware, well, I believe we're all trauma bonded. It's just that we don't really talk about the trauma bonds of our people that stay married for 50, 60 years and sure. die together and this and that. But I believe that we're all here to help each other discover each other's truth. Yeah. And when you are aware, when you're with somebody who is aware, y'all can grow and heal together. It's just when you get lost in that illusion, you're more, you're operating more from that fear-spaced mind, that hunter and gathering mind, that fight or flight mind. And in that space, there is no connection. There's no connection with you to the other. There's no connection, there's very little connection between you and yourself. And that becomes the issue when that's the default state. So that's, what do you, what is your take on? Well, something I was thinking about when you were referencing this is, I don't know if you ever saw this before, if you ever worked with couples, but I did extensive couples work. And sometimes you have one person who's aware and the other one who's in the illusion. And it becomes this weird dance of how do you get the person who's awake to manage the person who's in the illusion? Because it is hard to pull them back down. I had, uh, without breaking HIPAA, one of the favorite cases that I've ever had was a family, three people, a 14-year-old child wife, who was the ex-wife at the time, and husband, they came in because the son was having some schizophrenic tendencies. And it was like that scenario where we have one awake parent who sees it, one parent who's in the illusion, and the child who's just trying to get a handle on reality or whatever this perceived reality is. And he was terrified the whole Mm, time. Fear and thinking about that. Thank you for that. We, all of us, we become more divided in small eye or small self Whenever fear is present, the fear is it causes chaos in our in our system. So it makes sense this connection that you that you're drawing for us between the schizophrenia and the the energy of fear that you know that 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 client and embodying that energy of fear. And it is yeah, thinking about when I was in the ER and how they would tell me, oh, this one you want they they're dangerous. You don't want to go in there with this. Nobody one, that, nobody know? talks to this one. Yeah, stay away. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And that just made me want to go in there more. And, and I go in there. That's the person who needs it the most. That's the person who needs someone to just sit there with them and be there with them and hold their hand. And everybody's afraid. So now we're taking a very afraid person and we're adding our fear. That's a recipe for disaster. Yes, yes, yes. And I go in there and I'd have just a delightful conversation with the individual. It's just delightful. The person that 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 the mother or father or, or parent or guardian that that's their first time being hospitalized because this is the first onset of it. They'll describe the person at their peak, the person who's suffering at their peak. And oftentimes that's what I'm presented when I walk in that room. It's, 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 it's different. That's how I knew I had to get out here. And, and that's why I moved from psychotherapy, not from, I'm still doing that, but I moved into this space because I noticed a lot of people were in our, in this space of mental health, trying to, 
grab a surfboard and ride this wave. Yeah. And they have never stepped in front foot in front of a therapist, never stepped foot in an office, never picked up a thick, but they have the people they're learning now by following big names like Brene Brown or whatever, and just trying to copycat whatever they do or whatever. But I think it's important that people like us that are actually been there, taught it, students and and continuing to grow in that space and actually have the passion to grow in that space. I, I think that it's important that we really do our due di- diligence to get out in the forefront so that we can get everybody oscillating to the same frequency. I've said this before, but waves, water molecules, when they oscillate to the same frequency, the wave, the, the, the size of the wave, it grows. And so we get enough people oscillating to the frequencies of, of love and truth that we can form a tidal wave that radically changes the way that we do business here or the way that we even present ourselves here. Mm-hmm. What we tapping into that collective unconscious of positivity, of love, of these energies that are going to bring us all to a better place. Sister, oh man, oh, 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 oh man, I gotta get you back on here. I gotta get you on here. We gotta do something. We gotta... Whatever you want. This has been probably the most fun podcast I've ever done, for real. Oh, come on. flattery will get you everywhere. Thank I'm telling you. you. I'll, I'll come back. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. Look, I want to give you the stage for a moment if you want to just give a message to the people and, and again, let them know where they can find you at. Perfect. Thank you. If anybody wants to find out more about the work that I'm doing or wants to just connect, if you have questions about any of the things that we talked about tonight on the podcast, you can find me at I am like I am daniellemassey.com. And it's the same on TikTok and on Instagram. It's just I am Danielle Massey. I'm happy to connect, answer any questions that you have, give you guys some of those resources that I was talking about earlier on here. And of course, my book is coming out September 20th. You can pre-order it now. I have a virtual book release that's going to be happening on that day. So if you purchase the pre-ordered book, you have free access to the event. And I'm really excited to bring this information forward and to share all of it with you guys. Thank you so much for listening. Sister, thank you so much for being on the show, blessing the stage, blessing the podcast. I can't wait for this, this to come out so people can see the synergy. I love synergy. Thank you so much for having me again. All right, y'all stay living in y'all truth. Y'all know the model. Y'all stay lit. Agape and stay lit. I'm out.